It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley, back from Navy. Uh, We've got more to talk about than we would probably like, or some of our listeners would like, frankly. But um, let's start small picture and go to big, because we start with big picture and the state of the program, we're never going to get off of it, and it's going to be weird to go back to a fourth and four call on a (laughs) 14-yard line. So let's start small. Notre Dame's 28-27 loss to Navy. There are a ton of decisions uh, that Brian Kelly made that eh, you know probably didn't work out. But in terms of the 4th and 14 call, just because it's, I think, a little bit easier to digest, I don't think any of us had a problem with it. Well, the 4th and 4 decision? 4th fourth, fourth and 4. To kick a field goal? To kick a field goal. Oh, no, they were yeah. getting the ball back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they were... They were I, it, in my opinion, at that point, that you couldn't you just see it unfolding? They are going to get the ball back. They had them third and nine immediately after that call, and then Nick Coleman commits. Just I, I, one, I don't understand why Nick Coleman was was playing as much as he did, even with Julian Love's injury. Pride was out as well. Um, Pride was out. Yeah. Okay, that I guess would sort of explain yeah. it, but yeah, they I, had them. I, I they yeah. freaking had them. They had and them, they all, them off the hook, but they had them all game. I mean, you can technically say they had. We, okay, yeah. they've got but them now. In that instance, they really when you force them to throw on third down, you okay. really all right, look and and okay, they were the way you figured it out, Tim was was the right way. What what were they on third Navy on third down? They were eight of thirteen. Yes, but, but they were four of five on fourth down. Right. So that means that they converted twelve out of thirteen on the game. Yeah, short good. yardage yeah. plays. Here's the big thing with me, and this will be in the tail of the tape. A three-down offense played a four-down offense, which we we know that's that's the way it is. Most most non-option offenses are three-down offenses, and then you end up punting. But you have to adjust the way you make your decisions when you're playing that way. That's a good point. Brian Kelly said at halftime, before he ran off the field, that you know, we know this is a field goal game. He was playing for field goals. Navy was playing for touchdowns. And ultimately, that it, that's why it ended up being a one-point game because Notre Dame had three touchdowns and two field goals, and Navy had four touchdowns. Yeah, I actually put in my preview when Deshaun Kaiser said, our goal is to end every drive with a kick. That means extra point or field goal. That sounds good in practice because that, what that means is let's keep putting drives together. If we have to kick a 40-yard field goal, we're still kind of holding serve. But with the way that game was going, you were just in trouble with field goals. Navy wasn't going for field goals at all. And no. honestly, yeah, t- with the way this press box was set up for the first time, I think Pete was above us. Tim was far to my right. I was kind of had like seven people with an earshot. I made note of it. Maybe eight people with an earshot, including myself. I think, I think everyone, I think seven of the eight basically said, oh, "I don't know here. You might want to go." I'm okay, so I'm in that camp. Yeah, that's I, what I. Yeah, 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 I'm not in the. That was the worst no, decision no. I've seen all day. I was just like, oh, God. I was I was uncomfortable about them not getting the ball back opposed to 
they're not getting the ball back. I thought, right, I thought they should just go for it because Notre Dame is much better on offense than Navy is on defense. They Notre Dame needed a touchdown to win. They might not get the ball back. That was kind of number three. Number four, if you don't get it, you, you can still stop them and get the ball back. That's you're down true. four points. Well, and, and Brian Kelly said it had it been fourth and two or fourth and one, that might have been different. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But but that's but that's not true because in the second series of the game, they're gonna throw they're gonna throw anyway, yeah, right? It doesn't well, matter it's if it's two yards and an inch they're gonna throw. Right. He's going to throw it. In the second <laughs> series of the game, when they kicked the field goal to take the 10 7 lead, it was third and two, and they threw incomplete. And so naturally they ran the field goal team on uh, on the field. And so you had already determined at that point you were it was three down territory it was not going to be four down territory you're going to throw regardless so it doesn't matter yeah. if it's fourth and four or fourth and six or fourth and one the the odd part for me is and this goes to the, to the, the strategy thing fourth and four we feel we need an extra point we feel we need a field goal because then we can get the ball back and kick a field goal to beat them but it's fourth and four and you go for it and don't get it don't you have that exact same confidence you had previously in your defense that they can get the ball back for you in seven and a half minutes, and you can drive down for the winning score. I know it's harder to get a Either touchdown. way, you have to get it back. Right. If it's a so, four-point right. game. I didn't see... Fourth and nine, I would have kicked the field goal. Four, even though you're passing anyway. But no. Fourth and, <laughs> fourth and four allows Deshaun Kaiser to escape and run for it, just as he had all game long. That was Notre best running game, was Kaiser again getting away and running for first downs. Fourth and four, I go for it, but here's the sad part. I was just resigned to the fact, walking out, we're all waiting for the elevator. I'm like, you know what? In the large scheme of things, with all the decisions that have been made over seven years, coaching decisions that come down to the game, this isn't in the top five. I agree. I, I'm now. not saying this. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't yeah. say this yeah. is the worst call in the world. That was no, that wasn't you, my you were, that wasn't my attitude. You were not but, hindsight. But, yeah, but you were like, this is a mistake. Yes. I was more like, mm. he said they're not getting the ball back. Too I didn't say it was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. No, I well, said they're not getting right. the ball yeah. back. Yeah, you were right. All right, small picture number two. Jaron Jones played 12 snaps in the game. Brian Kelly, in my opinion, took a huge bullet for this kid yes. on Sunday in his teleconference by saying, basically just making up the fact that it wasn't a Jerron Jones-type game, which is ridiculous. <coughs> he was in for two series. One of them ended in a fourth down stop. The other ended in a punt that then was wiped out by the illegal substitution penalty, which will be small point number three that we discuss. Jerron Jones could have made a big impact on this game, and I, in my opinion, chose not to. Um, he was a... The defense was effective when he was in the game. He even got pressure on Will Worth on the throw over Julian Love's head. Right. If you remember. He got good push. Yeah, huge, he got good push. Huge hand yeah. in front of a five-foot-nothing quarterback <laughs> uh, who's shot putting the ball down the field. That makes a big difference. Um, Jerron Jones on his 12 snaps, by my count, faced a cut block two times. Um, that's, you know, pretty much par for the course against Navy. I And I don't... I don't understand why it's okay for him not to play, but Isaac Rochelle, uh, Trombetti, Tranquil, Morgan, Martini, um, Tillery, tall, Tillery, tall defensive tackle. It's okay for them. I, well, why was it okay for Jerron Jones to play two years ago? It's, that doesn't make any sense to me either. So it's um, pre knee, pre knee injury. Basically, I think that Brian Kelly took a bullet for a kid who didn't want to play in the game. Um, I would agree with that. And, you know, a lot of people were like, why didn't you guys ask about Jerron Jones? And I understand that reaction. But I really think that we all just, I mean, I just kind of assumed he wasn't going to be a big factor because I knew Jerron Jones didn't want to play yeah, against I this type of offense. We should have said it on the podcast earlier in the week when we asked the question about Jerron Jones and the Navy game because it was asked in preparation. Yeah, what did we say about that? Brian Kelly said, or Brian Kelly said, you know, kind of joking, like, 
it was it was posed to, uh, in the same vein as Lewis Nix. You said this Navy's option wasn't Lewis Nix's cup of tea, mm-hmm. and we knew Nix didn't want to play against that, and he had a bad knee at the time, and they were yeah. saving him, and they almost lost. But it's the same thing for Jerron Jones when Brian Kelly said, there's film out there in the NFL. I hope he's listened to this and wants to play. Yeah. We walked out of that press conference joking, he's not going to play. <laughs> and then and now, we're, now we have this outrage that he didn't play. We knew he wasn't going to play. And then we're like, how could he not play him? We should have still required the question. Oh, that's but, but the, the reason it wasn't asked was because we had <laughs> already programmed, programmed ourselves to think he wasn't. I, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Know, we, we should have asked it. It definitely should have been asked. But we, we literally all went into the game thinking, well, Jerron Jones isn't going to be a factor in this game. T- uh, Pete has a cut-up of a quick gif of Jerron Jones getting cut once versus Miami, saying, and you wrote, literally wrote, Jerron Jones better get used to this. And I responded with, why would he need well, to get used to it? Because the, he's not going to play. Now, but, the questions that, that I definitely will ask on Tuesday... Is Jerron Jones out of the Army game too? Right. He, I, I mean, yeah, I don't. How many I don't, snaps will he play in the Army game if it's if it's relatively I, I, close? I don't. I haven't. I haven't uh, looked at really any film of Army yet, so I don't know if we're looking at right. the exact same thing or, or whatever. But does that eliminate him from the equation this week? I, well, do I wanna, mean, hey, if I was Virginia Tech and USC, I would teach my guard to cut block if I can just get Jerron Jones on the sideline. Yeah, because it's it's legal, and if Jerron Jones is gonna. Have to exit to the sideline when he gets cup blocked. That's what I would do. Well, the whole world Virginia now Tech. knows he's gun shy about it, and if they didn't, they'll know it after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's right there. All right, small point number three: the illegal substitution penalty after the punt that was not a, and turned out to be Navy's only punt non-punt of the day. Uh, it was an ACC crew on the field that did not call it. It was a American Athletic Conference crew in the re- replay booth, which is Navy's conference, which did call it. Tim, I think you probably have the best insight of this since you know some people in the rules expert officiating community. I mean, what and what was sort of yeah? That, I mean, I think I think we've we've yeah. thrown out the information on yeah. that. If if he it's it's not reviewable if he's. One if within he a has step. within a step, and if there, if 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 the people upstairs suspected that it was more than that, then it is reviewable. And I, I mean, we don't the TV view. We don't actually see the ball ever snap, so we don't know when. Yeah. Well, the, the the only the TV still shot that they put up. Devin Sutzel is running onto the field, so it's it's a weird look. It doesn't and, what? Really, and he it doesn't, was on the field on third down too, because yeah. he I have someone. Yeah. Uh, but the, the screenshot that I've sort of seen, which I, I, I was sent to me, but I cannot find it myself, is he's clearly running off of the field. It's a different view of it, um, and the ball has just been snapped. So it's look, it's it's a, it seems like it shouldn't have been reviewed. Um, can I say with one hundred percent certainty that I understand that rule? I cannot. Here's how I feel about it. I think going forward. One of us should watch Notre Dame sidelines for special teams plays every time. One of us should watch near the line, and the other one should watch where the ball might go because something's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to mess up everything, and we need to know it. It's, it's our job to know it. All right, you guys so want to do that? I'll take the sidelines. I have binoculars. Pete, you take the yeah. return man and see if he just is tying his shoe or something. And we're then Tim, you're in charge of the line of scrimmage. We're going to have well, to get Jake Brown a credential just to watch We are. No, I mean, it's just because <laughs> why were they in the 12-man situation? Yeah, and my first reaction at the game was they weren't certain whether Navy would go for it or yeah. not. Yeah. But it, we, there had been a, a fumbled, what, exchange or snap or what? Uh, fumbled pitch. Fumbled, oh, fumbled pitch. Yeah. That's right to the slot back. 
So I mean, it was clearly fourth and 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 it was, long. Yeah, for, it was a, it was Murray's best three down series. Really, it was fourth and six. Onawalu had a tackle for loss. They got some yards back. Navy fumbled the mm-hmm. pitch. It it seemed like Navy would punt there on their side of the field at the forty because the penalty brought them to the forty five. Oh, they, they were punting. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if you're yeah. wondering, hey, this team always goes for oh. it. You know, that, yeah. it, it would but, it would be make so, no sense. Yeah. But let's say they go for it, just to leave your defense on the field, yeah. sacrifice a five yard punt return. Sure. And get the ball back. Just to get, yeah. Just that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. But you know, look, the officiating I thought was was pretty poor in the game uh, from the ACC crew, missing blocks in the back, missing a late hit against Quentin Nelson. Um, I'm not really sure. There's a on the fourth down stop in the first half. Troy Pride gets cut by I think Jameer Tillman, and it's just it's just a. It's a cheap shot. It's a cheap. It's a cheap yeah. shot. Play. I mean, he basically rolls his shoulder into the knee of a cornerback who is on the other side of the field entirely. He's thirty yards away from just, the play. It doesn't make any sense. Well, remember it's when Robert Blanton? I think we mentioned yeah, that last week. That should week have been a penalty then too. Blanton. Uh, I, I mean, I thought that. How how in the world can you not call the penalty on Palmore when he hits Quentin Nelson from behind? The play is over. Nelson is standing at the back of the pile, and this guy comes up and pushes him from behind. It, it's clear that that one can't be yeah. missed. That can't be missed by an official. Yeah. I'm not saying this is why Notre Dame lost. No, you're Notre Dame lost because Navy is a more disciplined team. They tackle better. They block better. They're a better football team all the way around. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a rough thing to say out loud, but when Kaiser talked about, you know, we got to match Navy, Navy's physicality. First of all, that's the most nauseating thing. Any Notre Dame fan can hear, and he meant by falling forward, and he, he tried to do it. You sometimes got to match him in terms of the chippiness to the echo of the whistle, too. You know, I don't want to talk about hitting him in the knee. I just mean, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, Drew so you get a flag for he not keeping so, his hands to him. Yeah, so he right. did. He did. Know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic playing them, though, because clearly they're going through the whistle. Clearly you're going to get flagged for doing the same thing, but maybe you just got to keep doing the same thing, right? I, but I think you're more inclined to get called for it than they are. Oh, it no, just, I agree with me, you. That's, that's what I'm just saying. the way it is. I they totally have 17 penalties. And again, I don't want anybody thinking that we're making excuses as to why Notre Dame lost. We're the last three guys in the world that would make excuses that. Well, that's why I cut you off with the in the instant analysis. I don't want to talk about penalties, but but then you sit down and watch, and it's like this is ridiculous. When Dante Vaughn literally boxes a guy out and seals him off on his back and gets pushed past the play, these are these are critical key plays. In the game-winning drive by Navy and the game-sealing drive by Navy. Sorry, take that away from me. <laughs> Throwing pens now. Yeah, um, it was, look, those were big plays, and in a one look one-point game, literally cannot get any closer than one point. And any one of the, like a block in the back on the thirty, it was a thirty-six-yard touchdown run from Cass. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Love gets. Ridden out yep. of the play um, with his back facing the play. It, I mean that I don't understand why. Well, that one he called. kind of turned. That there's a there's a. I guess, I don't yeah. picture yeah. that one maybe as well as yeah. you do, but I, I, I in the back of my mind I see him kind of turning, and there's a real gray area there when yeah. when the defender turns, then you can't. You know, I mean, then you have some leeway as far as blocking them. But I, I think there's two different arguments for when you were saying we're not making apologies for Notre Dame losing. Obviously, that the Navy's more physical. Look, there's two ways of looking at it. There's the big picture of these little blocks in the back shouldn't matter for Notre Dame against Navy. Right. And there's the way a head coach has to look at it that is in a dogfight with Navy. 
these plays mattered. Yeah. They're, they're, no, two they separate, they're two separate arguments. The plays did matter. Should they? Probably not. But they do in a game. Look, it was going to be a close game, right? I had Navy by... I had no, misspoke because it should have been Navy by three. I had Notre Dame by three. Pete had him by three. I think Jack had him by one. I had Notre Dame by six. I think the whole press box had Notre Dame by two or three. It's except for one idiot that changed his pick. So it was going to be close. You know, it was going to be close. And that's the reality. But the other topic that no one wants to hear is why is it so close? Yeah. So there's two different things. Yeah. That would be a good segue into our bigger picture thing. Why is it so close? Why is it so close every week with Notre Dame football? Um, You know, it's... Just play close games, Pete. Just play close games. Six six losses by 29 points. Yeah. Six one-score losses. And a win by three. Look, I mean, you got six one-score losses, a loss to Navy, the Shamrock Series in San Antonio, and you beat Nevada at home. It's not 2009... But it feels like that because that's how the 2009 season unfolded too, and the head coach got fired at the end. Of they it. had ten games of the twelve in 2009 that came down to the last drive, either offense or defense, yeah, to 10 win. Ten games out of were 12. one score, yeah. and you had a, an NFL quarterback too. It's um, it is really difficult to get your head around what's happening here. Um, I look when you look at Notre Dame's schedule, this is how bad it is. They've played. Seven Power 5 teams. Those seven Power 5 teams are combined 29 and 34 overall. In conference games, those seven Power 5 teams are 12 and 27. Notre Dame has been playing bad teams and finding ways to lose one-score games. I think you would have a valid criticism of what's happening here if Notre Dame had been winning one-score games against these yeah, opponents. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Let alone uh, losing one-score so, games. So, look, and by the way, Virginia Tech and USC are combined 10-3 and three in conference games. So Army lost to Duke. There's no shame in that. Yeah, the two best teams on the entire schedule are coming up. Yeah. Go. <laughs> so, I mean, and USC obviously has found their quarterback and, and is playing very good football, and I, I, I continue to like everything that I see of Virginia Tech. You know, I did a thing, uh, it's been a while back, where I went through and, and documented the records of each of Notre Dame's opponents to, to uh, you know, validate who's playing difficult schedules or not. And right. I don't know that you can just add up the wins and losses. Right, right, I think right. you need to add up teams with winning records. You know, and and losing records. I'm not sure exactly the right way to evaluate it, but well, you're it, saying that playing Alabama and ten and yeah, four I mean, teams it, that win one game, right, 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 yeah, right, yeah. totally offsets it. And you know, the whole point was that during the era Parsegian era, those were bad schedules. I mean, those were bad teams. And he was a great coach, and I'm not taking anything away. But and this reminds me of one of those. Only era beat all those teams. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. And, I mean, Sunday teleconference, Brian Kelly was very clear that he doesn't see this as sort of a teardown rebuild. He seems much more like, let's renovate what's already happening here. His, his I need to get was, the renovation from it. Yeah, I mean, his, his feeling is, we yeah. just need to keep doing what we're doing and do it better. We need to spruce this thing up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. It's like a, and putting some flowers uh, in the window. Like, people don't, people <laughs> don't want to hear that. Um, no, and for good reason. Yeah, exactly. And they don't want to hear about the youth of the team. No. Um, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to hear yeah, about the one-score losses is there, yeah, when you look they, at the teams that they've beaten or lost to. I are they say. young? I haven't been told that yet this year. Yeah. They're, they're pretty they, young. They are okay. pretty young, yes. Um, so it's I don't really know what the solutions are. We've got a bunch of questions that we're going to touch on that in segment two, so we won't tramp all over that here. But um, look, Brian Kelly is 14-13 and 13 in his last 27 games. 
at Notre Dame. That's that is a just a stone cold fact, and he's probably going to be fifteen, 15 and 15, fifteen over his last thirty by the end of the season. What's happening in November? I think should be alarming. Started ten and one. Yeah. Now six and eight. Probably going to finish seven and ten uh, by the end of the season. Notre Dame is not getting better during the year anymore. So when you talk about the youth and guys improving, I don't think I see that. And I, don't, I don't think I can accept that as this is what's happening. And the excuse in, pre, in the previous couple of years was injuries. Yeah. And they do not have that as an excuse this year. No. They avoided one all game on Saturday. Yeah. It's just uh, it's hard to make sense of this, and we got three games to go. So that's it for segment one of Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got a bunch of questions you might imagine. So all that, segment two next on our podcast. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com is our burning up the board segment. Our first question is from Wash ND. Considering the talent level of the team in a very weak schedule, is this looking like the worst single season coaching performance in the history of the school? Oof, in any sport. Um, <laughs> I don't know how deep of a dive we're expected to make. I, that's... Look, when they go two and seven in the fifties, um, I was well, wondering. Young Tim Priester in college, the, Jerry co- Faust, first year there, I, yeah. number well, one in week two, right? Yeah, I covered the Jerry Faust era, and that, uh, you know, he had a bunch <laughs> of really good assistant coaches. I thought, which was the one smart thing that that he did over the course of of his five years. Look, I don't know. I, I you know I what's a good sign is that we're talking about Faust things, today. But, that's a really good sign. Yeah, in November that's, for that's, Notre Dame. that's really bad. I mean, he was a. He was the worst head coach that that uh, that I covered, and Brian Kelly's a much better head coach than that. But be that as it may, they're three and six and staring down the barrel of Army. It's a good question because no one in the country had Notre Dame at the with a uh, under five hundred record for the end of the season or a five hundred record for yeah. the season, and they've been chasing three games under since or two games under since Duke, at least two games under since Duke, and then I mean that's. Yeah, man, yeah, I said nine and three, and I leaned. If I was leaning one way or the other, I thought it was an eight and four right. team. You were the only one of the three of us that were but, just good I mean, eight and four. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's obviously no way that I saying that I expected anything like this. Actually, Pete, you said people, both Pete and I were pretty firmly on the three, and you were kind of thinking four. And when you said four, Pete was like, "Ugh, four losses would be so depressing." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, you look, the 2009 team at Jimmy Clausen, Michael Floyd, Golden Tate, Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert, and a pretty decent collection of running backs in Armando Allen, Robert Hughes, and Jonas Gray, all of whom had at least a cup of coffee in the NFL. One of them was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That was pretty bad to yeah. only go 6 and 6 with that. Yeah. Um to be, and to not really that that would be another instance of like you lost Six games by one score, and you won four by one right, score. Right, You were only able to separate yourself from Nevada and Washington, the, State. And Washington mm-hmm. State. That was a pretty bad coaching job. It was, and it was a winless November. Uh, the last win yeah. was the Shamrock Series game <laughs> in San Antonio. That's, well, mm. poor time. So that's uh, that was bad. a 20... I, I don't think you could just look at the record and be like, well, this was awful yeah, right. because they lost eight, and that is worse than six. Which I mean, look, there have been terrible coaching jobs for teams that went nine and three. Um, but this, I mean, yeah, but yeah, this is a bad one. There's no way around that. 
Indy Irish Bird, with the stadium upgrades and pathetic losses this year, why wouldn't Indy want to create some much-needed buzz around the opening of 2017 and hire a new coach? You know, its uh, I don't think you run a business that way. You don't hire a coach to win a press conference and create buzz. That's a good um, way of putting it. But I, I think you would also look at a standpoint of there isn't a buzz, and how do you get that back winning football games? Is Brian Kelly going to win the most football games versus somebody else. I, I don't really have an answer. For I that. do want to, I want to, um, I think I have an obligation to say this as everybody leans in to see what I'm going to say. <laughs> Grips table moves to edge of seat. <laughs> get, get the button ready. Yeah. <laughs> all, all three of them are scared right now. Now I, a few weeks ago I said, you know, I was adamant about crossroads project. There's more to Notre Dame than just football. And I, I'm, I underestimated the crossroads project. I did. I mean, they are. There is concern about this. Um, I think. The, I think the sales of of uh, you know the the luxury boxes, which you know again, that's a yearly thing. That's a yearly renewal. I think that's going fine. I don't think that you, they're not dramatically behind, but it is an issue. I mean, it is. They, they I, are spent. That's a lot of money, and right now, this football program is is awful. They're playing awful football. They're hanging in. I give the players a lot of credit for having the the determination and the courage to hang in and play as hard as they do because they're not being led very well at all. They're not being shown how to win football games. But my point is this. That is an issue, and I overestimated or underestimated um, just how important that was. Okay, you can... <laughs> I think, I think uh, yeah, I thought, I thought there was going to be a lot more damage. Uh, it, you know, the ticket situation is interesting to me because I kind of talked about it after Miami and someone asked me why it was relevant that tickets are free to Notre Dame games against Miami and Stanford at night. Yeah. They are free outside. Public service message to Notre Dame fans that would like to go to a Notre Dame game in November against Virginia Tech. Do not buy a ticket right now. You can go into the stadium for under $20 without maybe f- blinking, yes. maybe, maybe free. free. And now here's what happens. The tickets, people that bought tickets last year are still going to want to buy season tickets next year because you're kind of buying, it's like you're in once you have them, when they're good again, you have them. But these $150 tickets for teams that are under 500 or 500 or $150 tickets for a team coming back that's say five and seven with an upset of one of these teams and the same coach in year eight makes it a little tougher because no one's going to commit to, I want to get... Tickets for these games, these games, and these games to go watch an average Notre Dame team play. Yeah, I I think that the the escalating cost of tickets yeah. is an issue, probably more so than the luxury box aspect of it, because those people have money to lay on fire. Um, That's true. I, I think you, you got to find another seventy eight thousand people who are willing to pay a hundred fifty dollars a pop to go see I don't know Georgia next year right, um, right. and it's not so much that the prices the at the actual price of the tickets going up but the the, the, the fee, fee too yeah the, the tickets, fee yeah. is go, is going up that's another public oh. service message your tickets can be had by walking to Notre Dame and getting tickets that yes day. just not just not at the uh, box because they pretend it's sold out yeah that's uh, I don't know I, do you know what the fee is uh, that kind of, this I, is the alumni lottery yeah, donation I believe fee. it's I you mean, I believe it's like a, a a grand, a grand in addition to the price of the tickets, which cumulative, cumulatively for two is over a grand already for which, the season. Which will buy you a lot of close games. Well, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, next, next, next every year's, Saturday, next it, year's home slate, so you can 
you can tell me whether these are you want to pay hundreds of dollars to go to this or not. Temple is the opener. That'll be fine. Georgia, that'll be fine. Miami of Ohio on September 30th. Georgia's cool. That's that's one they can sell. No oh, yeah, what. that's easy. Yeah, I think yeah. the first two are easy. Miami of Ohio is not. Um, USC on October 21st, that would be fine. NC State. <laughs> um, Dave Dorf. Back-to-back with Wake Forest. Um, those are tough. And then the senior day game is against Navy. Whoa. So your last three home games, when the weather starts to go, NC State, Wake, and Navy. So you've got Georgia and USC in a bunch of games that nobody else really uh, Yeah, because Temple can be be good, and they don't matter to to Notre Dame fans. Temple in the opener just sounds like Temple. It doesn't matter that their coach might be a guy that you want to keep an eye on if you're a Notre Dame fan. You can play anybody in the opener. You'd be fine. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's the opener. Like the opener, just play a tomato can, it doesn't matter. Um, and then you've got two marquee games, but then you've got four other ones because this is the year where they play seven home games, and four of them are just not games that people are going to get excited about. It's hard. It's hard to look. No. Uh, so so. They won't, yeah, buzz could become an important thing. I think they I, they will not have any buzz if they are a four and eight, five and seven team going into next year. Status quo. They're, they won't, and they won't even if they have a good defensive coaching hire. You know, obviously, we're saying they're going to get a new defensive coach if they're four and eight, five and seven. Uh, actually, that, that that ship we we threw into the water last podcast a week ago Monday has sailed. They will be making a change on the defensive staff now. We said if they went undefeated and rolled through everybody oh, and beat right. Ole Miss, oh, yeah. okay, that's yeah, the hypothetical. Yeah. Remember when we said, "Watch, they'll beat Miami and lose to Navy," yeah. and laughed out loud, sure. knowing full well that it could happen. <laughs> Irish, Irish, I was tailgating nine games into the season. How many games has Nordin been out coached? We have three wins, but has Brian Kelly outcoached anyone? I, I'm I not a big fan of the outcoached um, aspect of it. I would say that, he, I mean, did he outcoach Brian Polian? I guess. Um, they smoked him, but Nevada's not any good. Like, they're the worst team Nordy's played. I thought their game plan against Miami was good yeah. um, offensively. I thought he did a really nice job. So Syracuse was a good game plan. I think it's Syracuse yeah. is the yeah. one I would mention. Yeah. So but then um, it's like, well, did you outcoach everyone that you beat, and did you get outcoached in every game that you lost? How about Duke? Yeah, How about I, Duke? Think they outcoached Notre Dame in that game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be one that we have coaching to is yeah. Outcoaching is, is so subjective. It is, and, but except for Duke. And Yes, but I'm, say, I'm saying in general the term yeah. outcoaching, 10 different people would have a, sure. you know, 10 different right. opinions as to what degree of yeah. outcoaching. It's like, how do you want to look at the Texas game in hindsight? Did Brian Kelly get outcoached by Charlie Strong because he let Brian Van Gorder play that defense? I mean, I, technically, I guess, but I don't think that's what people mean when you talk about being outcoached. That was a, you know, it was like a staff retention yeah. issue. That's why the the uh, NC you know, the, State's a relevant one to bring up, though. I yeah, the absence of yeah. trying to do things yeah. you can't do. I you know I, the grades I put out every week. Yeah. There are six grades, and obviously the coaching one is the one that's up for dispute. And I'm all, constantly having to say, it's not just Brian Kelly, even yeah. though you want to put yeah. everything on Which, on Brian Kelly. But great point because when we say you know the Miami game plan, if we're putting things on the coaches, and I say, well Duke aside because that's just the classic example. If I'm saying he was out coached by Dave Doran in the rain, uh, it rained that day. I think he definitely outcoached Mark Rick in that Miami game. They had no business coming back into that game. It's not it, that. Those players' mistakes too. To yeah. back in that game, so I think if you're going to be fair, he definitely outcoached a good coach of Mark Rick in that game. He had them rolling to get into that game, and 
they should have been able to put it away. It's not all on Brian Kelly because they can't put away a team when they're down 20 to nothing. Yeah, I agree. All right, Irish Bob, is this the softest Notre Dame team in the trenches in recent years? They sure looked good on paper, but their body of work says otherwise. Well, I, you know, I was screaming during the preseason that the defensive line was soft, and Notre Dame just had a nose tackle that didn't want to play against Navy. So after having one of the best games we've ever seen by a defensive lineman. It's the best game I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I I mean, just by nature, it's not a real, real tough defensive line. And then the offensive line, I mean, how much, I think we've seen a lot of McGlinchey and, and, and Nelson getting quite a bit of push when, you know, when they're not jumping early, but, that, I, you know, it's a legitimate question because they, they they just don't move people off the football and and um, you know I think we knew going into the season that the overall toughness minus Sheldon Day um, was going to be Nick significant Martin on the other side. Yeah, Nick Martin two, on the other side. Two those guys are tough. who played through major injuries in their careers. Those are two dudes. As you're you know, Ronnie there. Stanley was a consistent yeah. play after play after play force for them. Yeah. So. Oh, that's a fair question. You know, sure. again, as, not, asking us to rate. It, it, we've even mentioned patty cake offensive line, and I mean that's the, the little yeah, joke about and, the joke about the again, short passing game. Is right, and again, it, it's it's it, it is created at least partially by the philosophy yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. All right, next up, Tim Pollard. If wholesale coaches changes are needed, if Brian Kelly is retained, where do you start? Who do you keep? Did we did we address this last week? Did yeah, we, and then we went off on a we, tangent about how everybody oh, was going to yeah. stay and they're going to win twenty-one consecutive games or something like that. We did? <laughs> no, we 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 made, oh, we made oh, a joke. We, we said a joke. We, we I put it out there that oh, they could win games and all that. Wow, they won't. Um, um, I mean, you know, the, well, Elston's the number one guy retained uh, as and Harry Heastand. Elston is the recruiting coordinator, a longtime Brian Kelly assistant. Uh, he can help in many ways in the defense. He's helped the defense dramatic or dramatically. He's helped the defense. Drastically, since uh, BK is the coach next year, Mike Elston and Harry Heastan will 100% be on the staff. Den Brock. Yeah, Mike Den Brock. That's not a guy that is removed. I mean, Sanford, unless Sanford chooses to go somewhere. Right, he'll definitely keep Sanford. I um, mean, you're not. So, I mean, you know, I mean, look, Scott Booker's had a a rough stretch here. The tight ends aren't very consistent, and the special teams are the most creative special teams in college football, and I don't mean that in a good way. I just don't mistakes. think wholesale changes are going to happen if Brian Kelly's back. No matter what. I, I Because, because I, he said they are not. Right, and also if he's told he has to do it, then he won't be back. Yeah. I don't, I think, I don't think he'd do it. Do you? Well, the question no. is, are they needed? The question is, are, are wholesale changes needed? Or are they needed? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Tim yeah. Pollard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to answer Tim Pollard's question, yeah, I, I, do, I don't. I don't think this is a, a, a sprucing up of the Notre Dame football program. They need to t- turn the room upside down. Yes. I mean, you, gotta, <laughs> you really got to go deep with this if you're Brian Kelly. And, I, I mean, I wrote this in my column. I don't want to hear about experience. I want to hear about how you can evolve as a head coach. Yeah, that's a great, that was a great line. The, tw- the 26 years are great, and that helped get you where you are. But now you got to reinvent yourself a little bit. I mean, it's like you watch – the offense that Alabama is running now certainly isn't a case where Nick Saban was like, but I've run pro style for 30 years. I was an NFL head coach. Why would I ever change? I am not changing. Don't make me change. I'm not changing. (laughs) And then what happens? He brings in Lane Kiffin. Offense explodes. They're setting all kinds of records. So is this an area where, you know, we speculate about everything with Jack Swarbrick. Does he say, 
Yeah, Brian, just, you need to you need to look you need to shake things up a little bit. I would think so. I mean, that's uh, when when Kelly talks about let's just keep doing what we're doing, but do it better versus making big changes. I don't know if Jack Swarbrick's going to accept that as an answer there in are, their end of end of season meeting. From strength and conditioning through the staff, there are at least six of the was that nine? Yeah, six of the nine. But there's a zero percent chance Brian Kelly Here, will get rid of. Here's what I would say. At least. Brian Kelly. On his own. On his own. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier this year, Brian Kelly said everyone's on a very public job interview. So you're telling me pretty much everyone passed their interview? You hired everybody? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So you're telling me that when I say, you know, I've been covering Notre Dame for 35 years, you're going to say, yeah, but your column last week sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So so that 35 years doesn't... If 12 straight of them did. (laughs) (laughs) If I was three and six, I think I'm better. If you only had a good column in week two. I think I'm better better than three and six. You are better than three and six this year. (laughs) Uh, Aim high. (laughs) Chip, man. What is your take on Brian Kelly's presser comments about no major changes required? I guess we could have rolled these questions in one. Just more of the same, but better. Do you have anything more to say on this? We all agree with Blue Chip Man and his outrage. Yeah. <laughs> but I assume the outrage... Yeah, it's it's not... You know what, though? I think it's a, it's a Sunday press conference answer from Coach Kelly. Everything's always fine on Sunday. No matter what happens, no matter what outrage occurs... On Saturday, it could be feeling he was robbed at Florida State. It could be Arizona State's debacle. It's always his best okay. perform. His always. best performance, I thought, this year was after NC State when, you know, I mean, you literally just came out of the eye of the yeah. hurricane and and you couldn't score. And I guess what I'm saying is he might not really believe that. I think he does, but he might just be like, well, "Listen, I have three more games to coach with how that is right now, and I'm just not going to talk about making changes." I think right? it's like when Brian Kelly says something in a press conference, you have to look at it one of three ways: one, it's the truth and he means it; one, it's not the truth, but if you cover him, you sort of know what he's saying; yeah. and three is just like I'm just I'm just saying this to move on to something else, right. and that's what I think. I, that I was. think we're getting a lot of three now. Number like number three was special teams is well coached. Number three was I support Brian Van Gorder after the Duke game and fire him the next day. Like there are a lot of number threes, where he just doesn't want to get into it. Yeah, and that's fine. It is. Like I, I'm not here to say like he shouldn't do that. That we're owed the truth every time we ask a question. I'm just saying if you're a fan and you're reading these quotes and you're just going mad, don't because it's really difficult to know whether he means it or not. Because I mean the alternative. Let's just just use the most visceral example was the Duke game when he says the defense played well. Brian Van Gorder, I support him. The alternative is Brian Kelly getting up there and saying, Brian Van Gorder is terrible. I cannot wait to fire him. No coach will ever, ever say that. There's not even an upside to saying that, even though you did well, fire him the or next he day. Or he would get, like, when he ripped his players yeah. or when yeah. it, you know. You what know, was the I upside mean, of saying the snapping was atrocious? He was frustrated. That was just angry. He was just, that was he just, was angry. He was just angry. angry. But there was no. He he was he was that was number one. He was being honest. Okay, what's you the never one get Jerome, number one on Sunday? What's the one with Jerron Jones yeah. that he? He's taking a bullet. That's number yeah. three. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Number threes are Sundays. Yeah, I just like I'm the head coach. I'm freaking gonna take this bullet. I can't believe it. I'm I am doing it. Yeah. I am often amazed at how how patient he is with all the questions. Now that's partly because. I would be completely incapable of answering all those questions with patience. <laughs> In June, you I've had a hard time the last five minutes here. 
uh, but that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I, then again, if I made five million dollars a year, I'd probably just, gain a little bit of just, patience. Gotta suck it up. So, uh, all right. Our last question is from Factor Thirty Seven. By no means am I implying that Brian Kelly's forgotten how to coach. But is it possible that he is a bit of uncharted territory in his coaching career? After all, he's been a bit of a climber and has not stayed in any job longer than three years other than Grand Valley State and and here at Notre Dame. Maybe program building is more of his forte rather than program stabilization. It's a very interesting question, and I really like Factor 37's word, climber. That's that's good usage because he certainly was that. Um, I do think his number one strength is building a program. And I think the issue he's running into now is there's game day errors we have seen from year one. They're escalating. Yeah, they're escalating, and and they're 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 so puzzling, and they're so out there where fans, whether they're right or not, and media, whether they're right or not, think they know better. There's so many of those that you might actually like. Most of the time, people say the play con is atrocious, and nobody has any idea what they're talking about. There's some times, yeah. there's a couple times where you're just like, what in the world? And I think it comes back with the longer you're somewhere, because I know when I was a fan watching Lou Holtz, I would get mad at Lou Holtz's play calling and game man- clock management and stuff like that. And he's going to the Hall of Fame, you know? So a guy that's struggling, and, and I do think there's some, I think there's a lot of game management issues. I think if you were going to sit back and assess strengths and weaknesses, I think game management would be one of them. And I think over the course of eight years, and seven, eight years, there's a lot more examples of that happening to you. It, it can be difficult. So it's, it's a good question. Is he in an uncharted territory where can he rebuild something that is in desperate need of it and he feels safe? He feels dug in. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's it's a great question. I don't, I don't want to answer for it because it is uncharted territory for him. I, I, he's getting some questions about, like, well, is there anything you can draw on from your yeah. losing? Like, no. Oh there is absolutely... He has no relevant experience in this, in this, what's happening right now to draw on in his coaching career. And I'm not saying that means that he can't do it. I'm just saying that the uncharted territory is 100% correct. There's, there isn't a parallel he can draw to anything else that's happened. Um, can he rebuild something where he was part of the depreciation of it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he knows. I mean, he believes that he can. I mean, I, I think if there's one thing that you can believe in terms of what he said and how he's saying is he believes that this is going to get fixed and he's going to do it. I don't, I don't see a guy that's just going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go do ESPN commentary next year. I don't see that at all. I don't at all, but he's wrong about it uh, this year. He, Cause he said it was either week one or it was either after Texas loss or Michigan state loss. He said, if you're asking me these questions in week 10, we have a different situation, Oh, geez. but it's week 10. Yeah. And the same, and the questions are worse. I think it was a Texas loss actually, because it makes more, dead. but you know, it's, it's week 10. They're worse than they were. When they're a three-point loss to Texas, and we could point to ten million things that would help to win the game, right. I mean, it, they're not getting better this year. Is the key? And is I, what Pete said, and it's hard to keep telling people to wait till next year when you just keep looking. But worse. one of the things that we've said all year is, even after a loss, we come in here and we say, "But you know, I I watched the tape and I saw individuals playing good football, and I still." Yeah. feel that way, which is really an indictment then on, on the coaching because they're not taking those individuals and 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 making them better as a team. But to get back to the question, this is a very good question by Factor 37. What has Lou Holtz always said? He said, the mistake I made at the end of my career in Notre Dame was that I tried to maintain. And that's where Brian Kelly is in a, in a maintenance 
you know, obviously they're trying to build back up to another national title run, but you're seven years into it and you're in a, in a, it, it, it is maintenance. You've been there. Everybody knows you there. You're, you're comfortable with your environment. And maybe that's what he needs as a climber to use the term climber. Maybe that's what he needs to rejuvenate, um, you know, himself and to, and to make, he, he's, they've got to make better game day decisions. Yeah. When you said rejuvenate himself, I want to bring it up because I wrote my my column was I think Notre Dame would be better next year and in the near future with a fresh start, and I think Brian Kelly will go win somewhere else. I think he would totally rejuvenate and win somewhere else in college football. The key is, does Jack Swarbrick believe when when he gave him the vote of confidence? Did that just come out, or did he talk to Brian Kelly and say, "You're okay. Next year you have to get this done." I don't know what this would be—a nine-win regular season, whatever. To keep going. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you give him. I don't think Swarbrick would. I don't, yeah, mean a number. I don't mean a number. I'm no, saying but I you're giving ultim- ultimatums in the midst of the, the the chaos. I don't know. I don't think that helps the situation. Yeah. And it didn't help to give him a vote Swar- of confidence, though, either. <laughs> no, but it just quiets the wolves. That's that's the whole. I mean, that I just assumed they were going to lose the Navy because to do that because that is what you're, well, you're but setting now we're, yourself but up. But now we're we're several weeks later. The t- it's changed. It's like. I guess looking ahead, though, you're, whatever he said, the bye week, he could have given a vote of confidence. They could have lost to Miami Andy. Here, here's what I'd, I'd say: yeah. the same thing about that as I said about Brian Kelly and the three options of interpreting what he said. Here are our options for Jack Swarbrick: one, give a vote of confidence; two, say you have no confidence in what's going on; and three, decline the interview request. Two and three look pretty bad. One is the better way to go. So I understand why he said what he said. I mean, if if nobody had requested an interview with him. And Matt Fortuna from ESPN did, then Sorbrook wouldn't have said anything. It's not like he went on his personal blog or his own podcast and right. said, "I'm giving him a vote of confidence." Right. He had a media request from a, a national outlet. Um, that's his. That's his only option at, at that point. All right. Well, we ended on. Are we taking any Twitter no, questions, or we're ending with that? A, excellent question to end on, and a lot to chew on here. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to break down the inner workings of the Army cadets who have played really good football this year. Uh, you know, I think the biggest improvement for them is on the defensive side of the ball. Again, obviously not not lining up a, a string of Power 5 conference teams to do it against, but with the way Notre Dame's playing and, uh, you know, playing triple option again or whatever variation they have to offer uh, will be a challenge once again. So until Thursday, Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. This has been... Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com.